Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. All right. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. And this week, I am joined by production designer Nick Bassett, whose previous credits include films and TV shows such as Avatar, Spartacus, Ash vs. Evil Dead, the Netflix series Sweet Tooth, and now he's out with the latest installment of the Evil Dead series, Evil Dead Rise, which is now in theaters. It's already proved to be the most successful installment of the Evil Dead franchise thus far, I think, officially crossing the box office benchmark that the previous installment set for itself, at now closing it at $100 million worldwide. So um, it's certainly an accomplishment just in its third weekend so far alone. Um, but Nick, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me on. So I'd love to start at the beginning of your involvement with this project. I know that you have a longstanding collaboration with Rob Tappert, who's the producer of Evil Dead Rise. You've worked with him before. Can you talk about what those initial conversations were like with Rob and what made you want to come back to the world of Evil Dead since you worked on the series just before? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I've worked with Rob in various capacities over my career. And um, yeah, he's always been really good to me. He got me involved with Ash versus Evil Dead. And that was, you know, just such a cool project. And he um, introduced me to Sam. We had conversations about that. So that, that was super interesting. You know, it was such a great show and a, a highlight of my career, really, in a way, because it just kicked me off. And then Evil Dead Rise came along. I was in pre-production. Uh, oh, in fact, we had just come into the end of Sweet Tooth Season 1. And this project came along. And I, yeah, I mean, I think, like, I wasn't 100% sure, uh, only that I was just, uh, you need to know the relationships are going to be good and everything, but uh, he introduced me to lead it off pretty well, and reading Lee's script, you go, this is going to be something different and something challenging, and um, and yeah, and it's a film, you know, doing a movie that, that at that point I think was going to be HBO Max, although I don't think any of us knew that, so I think we just, you don't really take a project, whether it's, you know, in regards to what it's going to be showing on or anything, it's just whether it's for you or whether it's exciting. So, yeah, we, we hit it off pretty well. And then, you know, the rest of the relationship was started with Zoom calls just back and forth, sending references to each other. And, um, you know, at that point, Rob kind of steps out a little bit um, and we had line producers kind of come in and, and deal with the money side of it, which is the the part that uh that the reality and um and so you sort of do this relationship between the creative with the director and then the money side uh and it was a good relationship because we'd worked together before with the same producing team so it wasn't it was always very reasonable and fair and, and you know that that's a really important thing that you trust that you trust that the numbers and the kind of my estimates and my approach is based on reality and, and and the current climate and those things. So that if you've got a good relationship there, it sets you off really well, to be honest. So, and then, yeah, and then you just put the team together, put the whole, our team together. And I've worked together with uh, a, a really great bunch of people uh, for many years, including Ash vs. Evil Dead. So we had a, 
a lot of us had a really kind of rich history already with the franchise. So yeah, that, that, that's kind of how it began. And, um, and then, you know, and then Lee turns up in New Zealand that he spends two weeks in isolation um, because of the quarantining uh, at that point in time. So our, 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 our work relationship carries on with Zoom calls still. And, uh, and we're out in the free and he's uh, stuck in his hotel suffering claustrophobia and all those things, which probably helped his writing, I suspect, maybe. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, and then, and then that, that's that's the beginning. And then we're into the physical side of it. We're all there. We're all designing together. And we're uh, truly collaborating at that point. I want to talk about your working relationship with Lee Cronin because, um, you know, something that differs, I think, between you working with Lee versus working with many of the other um, department heads as well. You've worked with, you know, Rob, Rob and I know the DP you've worked with um, mm -hmm. before. Lee is someone who this is was your first time working with him. And I believe this was just his second feature, definitely his first mainstream, widely seen film. Of course, he's done several shorts before. Um, but what is it like for you as the production designer working with someone who, you know, I Lee is this, you know, young up and coming director who definitely is just in the beginnings of his career versus collaborating with more veteran seasoned directors mm. that you've worked with. Yeah, that's a good question. I think that we, one thing I'll say about myself is I always feel like I'm the young person and even though I'm not, <laughs> so I don't think you, you never, you never feel like any kind of expert, but I did, I did, I did really like that we were coming at it with a very experienced art department. Um, and uh, it's always very reassuring when you've got a great crew behind you, because you can you feel like you, you know, if whatever's asked for, you can have a really good shot at delivering it. I felt like we came at it with a really good understanding of the franchise. And I'll say we a lot, because it's the team effort here. Um, knew a lot about the franchise, knew a lot about relationships we had met. You know, I know Rob well, I know, have met Bruce from the show and and Sam came out and directed so that we're on quite solid ground there. But so I, but it was really important just to listen to what Lee, his story, you know, like the thing is that's what makes it interesting is I don't, I don't want to go on with a whole lot of ideas, but although I will always keep offering ideas and um, visual ideas and things, but the most important thing was to hear where Lee wanted to take it. And I know the producers were very keen for him to put his stamp on the on the franchise and on the show so yeah that that's the first thing is really just is listening and then and then offering ideas but we were, it was very collaborative and i you know i don't feel like um feel like it was just the same as i'd work with anyone really it's like taking taking the story and and he has an idea in his head and then we go how do we physically make that it's, it was very methodical i thought actually so but again, having I felt really reassured with the fact that I had a crew behind me that were passionate about the project, passionate about the franchise, and um, and were really supportive of Lee. Like, I, I, there's no kind of uh, there was never any. Here's the new guy. <laughs> I don't think that was ever part of it. Really, he's the guy who wrote the script. You know, he's the he's the boss, uh, and that's how that's how I think we should approach every every project. Really, just very fresh and. Um, and listen but you know know that you've got kind of this this strong team behind you so that that was really it i think you know i i was very interested in in his lee's tone on the film 
but he was very trusting of what we you know what I was doing um we would we would talk a lot and we would I would share every you know we were doing visuals we didn't have a lot of concept art time but I had a concept artist who I've used a lot and he did great imagery for us to just so we were always reassured that we had something to hold on to um and and then you just build a little bit of trust and that hopefully that trust kind of just keeps um keeps building really uh and and then very quickly you hand the set and everything over to this incredible machine that uh has to work out the choreography and the the, the rigs and the blood rigs and that and we're kind of working it at that point once we've settled on what it is we're really working very it's a very practically based show really it's very uh, mechanical very um methodical and there's rehearsals where if we're not painting the room it's being rehearsed in if we're not you know there's always something going on there so it's a busy time and a horror show is uh as it's a very busy kind of um production um did working on ash versus evil dead proved to be an asset when coming on to evil dead riser was lee's vision so unique and so different from um the series because of that feeling of claustrophobia and containment that the film has that previous the series necessarily doesn't have in a way did it just seem like you were coming on to a completely new project that didn't necessarily feel like it you needed to have that um portfolio of work beforehand on the ash versus evil dead series i think that um doing the show was for me definitely a benefit you know like I, I felt like i felt like having done that i had a knowledge of the franchise that was helpful and even though lee's story was very different it's still a, it's he was you know he he was like doing he, he's got a new script and a new idea but there's still something you want to hold on to and he was very you know he, he could see that as important and we all did is there's something in the spirit of the Evil Dead franchise which which you don't want to lose. So having done Ash versus Evil Dead, we uh, we built that cabin three times or so for that show. I knew it very well. Uh, no, every paint surface from the original movie, we studied it so heavily that it, it felt like um it felt like all of that was really good. It was really good training and um. And in fact, we referred to the cabin in terms of scale a lot. So we were like, Lee was like, while well, he's taking it to the city, he's like, I don't want to lose. There's something very familiar for the audience about that kind of claustrophobic space, um, close confines and isolation. And he was like, I don't, I don't want to lose that. And we actually overlaid uh, the cabin onto our apartment several times and compared it and make sure we weren't, not that it was a problem, but just to keep in check of, what did that film do versus what we're doing? Um, and those points of reference were used a lot, actually. Um, and then also just having just having kind of an understanding of of what made The Evil Dead feel like it did, the handmade quality and the textures and the uh, certain tones, we, we definitely referred to them. We didn't copy them, didn't use them always, definitely referred back to them. And, um, and you know, Ash... Versus Evil Dead was a comedy, whereas this never set out to be a comedy. Although I feel like it was quite aligned to the Evil Dead too. I feel like tonally, it's it's closer to that. But um, so yeah, just having a point of reference, I think that was the main 
real advantage is a point of reference of is that this is the version that's almost too comic and too far and then this is the version which it might be too dry and too too serious so somewhere in the middle is probably where we were kind of leaning and in the building the building and the design and that it, it, it definitely had there's a familiarity that i think that evil dead fans will find and uh yeah that's a little bit to do with having the backstory one reason for the differing tone in the film versus the series or past installments is the claustrophobia and containment that um the viewer receives mainly because of the primary use of just one you know singular setting which is the apartment um how did you approach designing the apartment setting one that you know looked like it was a los angeles apartment even though you were filming on a soundstage in new zealand was there any um in your preparation, was there anything that you took off of perhaps LA apartments that um, you brought to your set design in this film, um, even though it obviously has such an evil asylum-like undertone that <laughs> you can't necessarily say about your average LA apartment, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think, um, so that's that's interesting. The show set in LA, different you know being different to previous films set kind of in michigan being almost the basis of it and shot in tennessee in different places bringing it to la we were i was more interested in creating something that was visually felt right for the film rather than here's a here's a traditional la apartment and here's you know like that was less of a that was less of a, a priority to me. Although we were, we we all, when we often refer in the Evil Dead jobs I've done, we refer to it as a mythical a mythical place like a Michigan that we created for Ash versus Evil Dead. It, I've been through there. I've driven through Michigan several times, and this is a that was a a, a little bit of a collection of ideas and a and a theme and a style. That was almost like a comic book, I guess. And so this film, yeah, we were a little less concerned about it being absolutely spot on for LA, but it was it was more about what does the building feel like? How's it poised on the street? What's you know the vines growing up? It how do we make it so once you go inside this building, it feels really cohesive, um, and that the lighting we have full control of it, uh, and that we 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 go up from the ground floor or the basement in this case and it, you know and how how we almost skip details so that the audience is a little bit lost you get up to this apartment you don't really know how far down it is you don't really know who's below you who's uh how close it is the city is quite far away in our in our the city we're, we're almost like in this isolated buildings uh the backdrop we used pushes the city lights quite far away. So you, you always feel a little bit like, yeah, you know, while you're in the, theoretically in the city, you're actually, you don't know who your neighbors are. So how we went about designing it was, um, I, it was, it was starting with visual reference for me, um, how to, how to find a build, like actually in the script that said Art Deco building, that was the first key. It was like, okay, well, let's make it that it could be. Lee was probably a little open to changing that, but we stuck with that, and, and I'm really pleased we did. It, it meant that the building was going to have some personality. There was a, probably another version of this, which was a straight modern skyscraper, but this 
this was always going to be something with a bit of personality. So started to look around for buildings. I found something I quite liked the look of, and it was poised on the corner of a road, and we did some concept work for that. Uh, and it is the building we used. It was the first place we found. And um, But we searched high and low around Auckland, and, and then we went, no, this is actually it, and it felt right. And we were working at the same time on the floor just to make sure we get the mechanics of the space right that that was really important that is it's like a theater show in a way it has to each room each space has to all relate well to each other so the the apartment's kind of almost its own little issue or a little challenge where all the rooms are how they relate to each other how long the corridor is how wide it is and then we also knew that we needed the parking lot and the vault and we looked, I mean, like you do when you do a film, you always look for locations and you go, well, maybe we'll find somewhere that'll help us out. But the decision was made pretty quickly to build the parking lot building, to build the vault, to build the elevator, obviously. And we ended up, that. so that really gave the show, uh, our film, a look because we, we, we were actually building everything in the studio. So it meant everything we could control the lighting on in the same way. And um, I was re yeah, really pleased with that it was that it resolved that way like that we were able to build each piece of that apartment um as we intended and light it as we wanted to and let the stunt teams and the special effects teams really play with um their craft you know and let, and let them rehearse and let them do what they need to do which is what makes the horror it's what makes the horror like we're really creating the backdrop and then over to the mechanical teams and we're all collaborating on that to figure out where the heck this blood goes and how do we you know how do we do all of these things and there's night crews we had rehearsals at night we had building in the daytime we had shooting two units at one point uh a day unit main unit shooting day second unit shooting at night so the the design is very um there's a look to it but there's a real practical side to it that has to be achieved as well so yeah i, I feel like the success of, of what, what we did was really based on having control and it's a great reminder that um it's a real nice luxury if you can build and design the entire world that you're in um i think we went outside four days and the rest of the film was shot in the studio um in this quite controlled environment and in kind of a leaky old and shared actually it wasn't a soundstage it was a very much a uh, big old rattly building so yeah um quite quite cool in terms of um, atmosphere but um yeah so that so it's a it's a multi-pronged approach to the design really is is very mechanical on one hand and then very be, being able to build it all means full control colors lights um everything is now within our control and and that makes it exciting so yeah that that was the highlight really for me is creating our own atmosphere creating our own mythical building that um doesn't exist but maybe could exist you know and you, and the people in auckland will walk by that building and kind of vaguely recognize it it's only four levels high and we added the rest in cgi but uh yeah it's there and uh it exists and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the the building you had found when you scouted for a commercial that you worked on yeah. before, I think I, I read. So 
when you were brainstorming or scouting for the exterior to this building, did you, was this one of the locations that you visited? And then you were like, oh, I visited this before on a previous project I worked on, or, or did the thought of the building come to you when you were in the process of trying to find the building? Well, yeah, I, I was, we were, bet I was between jobs. I was doing Sweet Tooth. I think it finished. I'd read the script. I'd talked to Lee. Uh, it was possibly happening. I don't think it was kind of a hundred percent green. And then these things kind of, you know, I think it was quite a while before it went from meet Lee to it's happening. Uh, and so, yeah, I was doing an ad for Taco Bell, actually. <laughs> it was like, a, and, and it was the production manager of that ad. Uh, he, he said, I, I've got this location in mind. He had the location in mind. He mm. walked us uh, down the street. In a way, I hadn't been, Auckland's a very small city, really, but, and I'm quite familiar with it, but I walked from a different direction and I, I sort of arrived at this location they were showing me. And I was like, I have no idea. For some reason, I was disoriented. I have no idea where I am. But what caught my eye was this brick building on the corner. Of course, we had to do the TV commercial and do all of that. And we shot in that location, actually, uh, for the, this Taco Bell ad. But I was sort of became obsessed with this building. And then when the film kind of got greenlit, we, we were like, we, we can't just assume it's this one place. We better scout everywhere else. Scouted all of these other places. And this one just stuck with us. So I think, yeah, it's a, a, sometimes having a script given to you nice and early is a really good thing. And I, in fact, I'd say it's always a good thing to have time to just process it. And if you're filming in a city that you're very familiar with, you'll start to just see it slightly differently based on this script, this new information that you're suddenly looking around. I mean, Auckland doesn't look like LA and probably in the film for for an LA a resident might go, it doesn't look like LA to me either, but but we're looking for little bits that may imply it. And you know, that that, that becomes you, you now look at the city with a slightly different eye. Um and in New Zealand we tend to be challenged with, you know, we're we're trying to match cities all the time, is that you know, that's just one of the the joys of filmmaking nowadays is you tend to not shoot in the place that the film set. It's uh, you're always trying to create your own version of it. So, um, so yeah, it was good luck to find the building. Um, we probably would have found it anyway, but I might not have seen. I might not have had that discovery of feeling like I uh, that it jumped out at me in the, in the way it did. So yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to do that. I want to touch on a couple. Um designs that particularly struck me one of which was the flooding of blood from the elevator set um it obviously gave me flashbacks to the shining and i would love to know more broadly if you had particular touchstones from horror films of the past that acted as sources of inspiration for you for perhaps moments like that where i, I would assume you were thinking of the shining too and maybe other moments where you drew on some of your favorite horror films of the past yeah, I mean, I think um, I I love that nostalgia of horror for me. You know, like I grew up in the eighties and saw Evil Dead at the cinema and those those things. So they stuck with me. And um, and I think yeah, just subliminally, you're always you're aware of of successful moments where you are unsettled and and you watch movies. And I I don't uh, I don't think we directly reference too many things i think rosemary's baby was definitely one film that i watched and uh, carefully and um and really analyzed 
Um, but yeah, the shining moment was, it was interesting actually because that was, the the elevator was always going to be the escape pod for Lee. And there was a challenge in, in that, you know, shooting wise, um, we were very, very quickly you get short on schedule really. That the first thing that happens is there's not enough days to shoot all of these moments. Um uh, so the elevator got a little bit challenged, I think, as like, is this the right device? Should there be a another way to get down to escape? Um we actually everyone brainstorms as you do in these moments of panic where you go, we can't how, how are we gonna do this? And you, you look for other things, but Lee was adamant that the elevator was gonna be the way to do it. I think there was concern that this is going to reference The Shining too heavily, and um, one of the producers may have said, let's not reference it too closely. But actually, what the decision was, was let's reference it very closely and uh, and uh, do the opposite. You know, like, if you're going to pay homage to something, then then just do it. Go there. And, and, I, and the design of the... We'd already found ourselves in an Art Deco world, so there was always a... There was always a a little chance that it was going to reference The Shining anyway in terms of the architecture, just slightly. And then this moment came, so it was like, don't we We didn't choose to avoid it. I didn't closely look at the imagery from the film and go, we're going to make our vision of that. It just it just naturally kind of happened. And, um, yeah, I'm really pleased that it was just it was done that way. And it was done in a really physical way. Someone said to me the other day, was that a miniature? And, and I was like, well, firstly, uh, that would have been harder to do as a miniature, but but uh, it has this surreal look to it. It has an old-fashioned filmmaking look. It was done in a very practical way. Um, so I think the reference to other films is really more to do with the approach, and the approach is let's do it in camera. Let's do it with a physical effects team, makeup teams. I mean, there's VFX, obviously, but the, every attempt was made to do things practically. So um yeah I, I don't think we re you know and i know lee's an absolute horror fan like through and through so he, he more so than I am, you know like he's definitely the horror that you know we may not even be aware of <laughs> but but um but yeah it's 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 learning lessons from horror movies you know aliens mentioned for the creature can we're um we're obsessed i think as filmmakers we're often obsessed with successful movies that create atmosphere and that's that's a horror that's kind of our highest priority really it's like how do we create an atmosphere and attention um so yeah that that but yeah the shining is um a great film and in a it's a good thing to be it's a good a good film to reference in my mind yeah and even though you know just on the surface you see you know in the shining versus evil dead rise you see elevators and you see you know, blood coming from all over the place. If you look at the color palette, the VFX, it, it's just, it's so different, you know, your your mm -hmm. your version versus the version you see um, in The Shining in terms of just, you know, the darker colors. And it's just so much more textured and complex um, with within Evil Dead Rise that it really is just a, a surface thing with just the iconographies of elevator and blood but those two things aside it couldn't be more different in terms of the style which is so great about it um i have yeah one, yeah yeah i mean it's there's a fun story yeah. yeah sorry 
No, I just wanted to touch on another um, set, which is probably just such a foundational setting to the Evil Dead franchise as a whole, which is Finding the Cabin um, set in Auckland. Um, I know that this was similar to the exterior of the building. This is something that you um, were scouting for finding the perfect cabin. Can you talk about um, Finding the Cabin set? Yeah, Yeah, well, actually, the cabin... So this this film um, is a co was a co production and, and had originally the opening of the film was going to be shot in, in Ireland. Um, that was just part of the deal that was the package deal. So it was something has to be filmed there, and and we we're going to do the cabin there. So we actually put the cabin. To me, I read the opening sequence and it was a little bit different, written a little differently at the um, at that stage in the early stages. I took it the had an idea of what I thought it could be in my head, but nothing particularly. And Lee had a location in mind in Ireland. So he was like, we're going to shoot it there. It's the perfect place. It's going to all be cool. We'll shoot it in a year's time, whenever it is. Um, and then suddenly it was like, for different reasons, it was like, no, we have to shoot it in Auckland and we have to shoot it before the winter hits and let's get on with it. So actually we started scouting and, and I actually didn't think we'd find that place in, in Auckland. And it was about 40 minutes from the Auckland city centre. That lake exists on, on private land. We went out there. We looked at it. We Lee was like, actually, actually, you're perfect in terms of scale. We considered putting some mountains and different things in the background for VFX. Um, and then, yeah, very quickly we were into doing it. The cabin was, I just ended up, our story is meant to be in take place in well it does take place in la the, they theoretically drive to this cabin location so start just looking at northern california places like tahoe or somewhere like where are some places that we didn't want to really name it but but and these a-frame cabins just kept popping up in my google search um among other style cabins but for some reason these a-frames popped up uh and stuck with me and i think i just presented that to lee as an idea and he was like i actually like it and like we want it to be different than the original cabin we want to know as soon as you see it this is not the original evil dead cabin like this is something else um so we yeah we just agreed that that was it quite quickly actually it it didn't really linger too long i know we it came back and forth is it right is it wrong but we're like this pointy nasty shape um, felt right for this film. We were only ever going to see it um, once, and we're going to see it from the front, straight on, looking straight at it with a reasonably wide lens. We found this cool location that almost feels like the trees are bending up in this kind of unusual way. And then we, and I decided we'd get away with just just building the front of the cabin. It's literally just the facade, one wall with a door that opens and a blackout at the back. And that's all it is on location is just one wall of this loca- of this our cabin. Um, the paint finish it on it, I just copied the original Evil Dead cabin as much as I could. There's quite a lot of familiar detail of paint finishes on here. It's got a little swing chair. So there's nods to the original film, but we wanted to go. This is different, completely different location. Uh, and then we built the interior on stage uh, and kept that really, it's a very sepia colored, very kind of almost stripped out color in that in that um set and that then contrasts with our la rich you know dry there's this kind of going from this dry dusty place to 
uh, interior to this very kind of wet city and the walls in the apartment are very sort of slick and oily looking and uh, and rich looking so um yeah so that was it was a lot of fun to do that and we were in there so briefly but it was a really nice thing just to do something that has a has a nod to the original films but is d distinctly different as, as a shorthand piece of design and it's pointier almost than a lot of those a-frame we, we actually just made it quite steep and quite nasty looking it's quite spiky it's quite a, quite a, a austere looking um building mm -hmm. so yeah that that's the history of that one and we built the jetty on on the location so really we we kind of again we got to own everything that 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 uh cabin doesn't exist for real it's packed up and destroyed in a <laughs> in a rubbish skip at the moment probably but um getting to design everything from scratch is super fun i had one last question for you um because in addition to you know the success we're seeing with evil dead rise sweet tooth season two just came out the other week on netflix the entire season's been dropped it's already being well received by fans and critics alike just as the first season was um, and I know it's been renewed now for seasons three and four. So um, we'd love to know if work is already underway on season three, if that's something you're um, busy working on right now or soon to be working actually, on. Actually, so uh, we did season one of, of Sweet Tooth, had a little break, did Ash, uh, did uh, sorry, uh, Evil Dead Rise. And then just before Evil Dead Rise finished, we went, I went, I started prep on week two season two and it was actually renewed for two seasons in a row so um we've shot season three and um and they i think they've just released that like netflix finally fessed up that we've actually finished shooting it so it's actually done um and it's a really i can't really say much about it but it's it was nice to do them back to back and just roll from one into the other and they're quite different seasons actually so season one is quite there's an innocence to it and a um that that starts to get stripped out a little bit uh towards the end of um season two and into season three is a much more it's just a different setting um you head to it it reveals it so i'm not spoiling anything but it heads yeah. to alaska and um and really challenging you know again i can't say too much about it but super visual visually challenging technically challenging we got into using miniatures and led screens to try and build this world and and had good, a good old again a nice good old-fashioned filmmaking uh experience uh so yeah i'm super excited to see that come out um yeah so that that's that that's been an incredible journey really three seasons of that show um shot amongst covid kind of times and these really challenging times to make tv um and and very ambitious for the money and time we had so yeah super uh yeah it keeps you on your toes that's for sure so two and three were shot back to back it was just revealed yes. does that assume that four is what you're you're now working on or um... no no that completes it's a it's literally a trilogy that and okay. um we, we yeah has it which is really exciting i personally think that's great you, yeah. you start you have a story and it's it's you know it was always roughly laid out this this journey and um so we definitely got to complete it and um yeah i think it i think it ends really strong and it's a great way just to wrap it up and um be done with it uh yeah and leave it kind of neatly packaged and then see what happens next at the moment um nothing on the immediate horizon but 
we'll see. I need a little bit of a break. We, you know, yes. kind of work for three years I think, without yeah. stopping and uh, realize that it takes its toll on you. So, um, yeah, ready for a little bit of a pause. Yeah, three seasons of Sweet Tooth, Evil Dead Rise, and then, um, you know, I'd love to know if there's any update at all on a and long anticipated film Kung Fury 2 starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Michael Fassbender, Alexandra Shipp. I know this has been in limbo for quite mm. some time. Is there any hope that we'll see it um, perhaps sometime this year, 2023? Or... I, don't, I don't know if it will be this year. I, I, it had, it got caught in a little bit of a legal wrangle. It was director and writer and creator of that show. He's, he's such a talent. And, um, yeah, I hope for his sake it's out very soon. We filmed it in Germany and Bulgaria and had just an amazing time doing that. Um, met, you know, meeting some of my uh, favourite stars on that. And, yeah, it's just so amazing. But, yeah, fingers crossed. It's a, a really ambitious film and... I really hope we get to see it soon. I've seen a, a teaser for it that was was just sort of put together as a as a kind of um, in house thing, and it's so it's so cool, so brave, and um, yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. But yeah, it sounds like it's getting momentum again, and um, yeah, hopefully we begin some post production on that soon. Yeah, and I know what adds to the anticipation is I think I read somewhere you were saying that no matter how crazy audiences think your work is an evil dead rise kung fury 2 just tops it and just makes it all the more insane so um that yeah. definitely makes um the anticipation intensify for sure and um i know that a lot of us can't wait to see your work in that yeah it, um, it, it's, it's a really cool project and uh yeah fingers crossed it's yeah. finished soon well congrats again nick on all of these projects sweet tooth um evil dead rise of course still in theaters already um the most successful installment thus far in the franchise and then hopefully we'll see kung fury 2 in the not too distant future but um yeah thanks again nick i appreciate it yeah thank you max that's amazing thanks thanks so much for tuning in please take a moment to subscribe to the hollywood podcast for free on itunes or your favorite podcast app until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening.